the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Six minutes after six on a Wednesday. It is hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day. It is Wednesday, and we are closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and that is a good thing. Well, if you got up this morning, went outside, it was cold. Not chilly. It was cold. Uh, Up in Cabot, where I live, I uh, walked out. It was uh, 28 degrees, and the wind was blowing. And I said, going to wear a hoodie today. (laughs) So I put my hoodie on and got ready to come to work. Went and had a big bowl of oatmeal for breakfast to warm my insides, and here I am and ready to go. And we're going to start off with Harding University today. Uh, Mary Medill is going to join us, Physician Assistant Program Director, Master of Science in Physician Assistant Studies, and uh, they got some new things going on over at Harding, like they always do. They are really doing a lot of things at Harding, and you've been hearing about them for the last couple of years, in fact, here on my show about uh, graduate degrees. And uh, this is no different. Let's talk about physician assistant and uh, what do they? What is, what's their role in healthcare? And is it something you might be interested? in? Mary, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have you today. So tell me a little bit about this whole thing about uh, you know physician assistant. So PAs, we are licensed clinicians, and we practice medicine in pretty much every specialty and setting. So we have our grads even in the state in orthopedic, dermatology, family practice, urgent care, uh, general surgery. Uh, And we are, it's a rigorous training process uh, so that PAs can expand access to care and transform health and wellness through this care. And that they are providing uh, in our state and, you know, in any state. PAs can be licensed in any state. Well, I know that I read articles, I guess, as long ago as a decade ago, about fewer doctors, more PAs. When I was in the military, in fact, and that was in Uh the late 70s, early 80s, you didn't see the flight surgeon. You saw a physician's assistant, and a lot of people say, a physician assistant, and it's not like you're a nurse or anything. It's like you're you're like a doctor without uh, the MD in front of you. Is that not correct? Yeah, so PAs can see patients in the clinic or hospital. We can order, interpret diagnostic tests, perform physicals, uh, diagnostic procedures, prescribe medications, uh, see patients in the hospital, in the clinic setting, and um, 
Yeah, so we perform a variety of duties. Uh, the training is 28 months of really intense hard work. So we don't get as deep as they do in medical school, but we cover a really broad um practical approach to uh, these medical topics and medical care yeah it has its roots in the the profession has its roots in the military so yeah because you guys you guys saw that it works i mean when you went to sick call when i did when i went to sick call there was somebody there a very very learned person could look at me and he'd say well ellswick you just got a bad sore throat i'm gonna give you a little gi gin and send you back to your to your barracks have you ever had gi gin Mary? No. Okay. Sounds like a, I'd call it GI cocktail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, a a highly alcoholic cough syrup. Let's just put it that way. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like shooting Listerine, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So, let's talk a little bit more about the physician assistant program. Why would somebody look at this uh, instead of a doctor? I got to believe you can get into this quicker i mean it's not like you know you got to do time in the hospital and all the other things that doctors have to do and it's a long process for a doctor yeah so this is a quite a bit shorter training program so our program at harding is 28 months uh, and our mission is to develop develop caring physician assistants who are going to practice that competent patient-centered primary care and diverse environment so we have one year in the classroom which we call the didactic phase and and we say classroom you know a good amount of it is lecture um but we do a lot of lab work to simulations training on those technical skills uh, training our students how to perform procedures uh, and so after that one year in the classroom which is you know our students are in class pretty much 8.30 to 4.30 almost every day. So, again, very rigorous. Um, but after that, they go on to the clinical phase where they are in a clinic or hospital with a preceptor uh, who is a physician, PA, or nurse practitioner, uh, sometimes a, a different type of mental, uh, mental health professional who is training them, you know, pretty much on the job. So these preceptors are clinical teachers uh, who... Uh, just and really pour into our students and um, teach them what they need to know to take what they learned in the textbook and what they learned in the classroom and really learn how to apply it uh, for patients. Yeah, Mary Medill is our guest, physician assistant program director, master of science in physician assistant studies at Harding University. Uh, who who's looking at this? Is it somebody who's got their graduate degree? Maybe it's in in science or whatever, and they decide I want to do something in medicine. Or is it is it uh, you know RNs that are already out there, and suddenly now they think maybe I should be a physician assistant? I mean, who does this apply to, and who would be really interested? So several of our students have come uh, from and an undergraduate setting, you know, where they have a degree in maybe biology or exercise science or um, neuroscience, you know, something that typically is more human-based sciences. And so we get, you know, kind of a population that comes right out of undergrad and they, you know, come to us with that, that degree. And then we have another set of people who, you know, kind of take a different road. So they may have a uh, gone out and gotten some kind of degree in like a pre-professional health 
um, master's degree. Sometimes we have people who have been nurses uh, who will, you know, come and, and join our program. So really one cool thing about the PA profession is we get a diverse group of people. That's cool. Uh, so, you know, we even have had people with business undergraduate degrees who went out and got the prereqs and got the health experience. Uh, so uh, some of that, you know, ability to be flexible and that diversity and thought is really what adds to the profession and uh, creates these, you know, versatile PAs who can go out and work in, they can work in the country in Alaska, you know, in the middle of nowhere, or they can work in a, in a hospital you know, in Little Rock. And so, uh, in that way, it's just a very unique and dynamic profession. All right. So let me ask one last question before we take our break. And that has to do with a lot of these, uh, uh graduate programs. People would be able to continue on working and doing what they're doing and then work towards their degree. This sounds like it's a much more heavy, uh, program and that may not be possible. Am I right or wrong? You are right. Yeah, it's not one of those where you can, you know, work full time and do classes part time. So it's a full time, full time gig. Uh, but the beauty of it is, it's twenty eight months, and uh, you know, after that, you're out in the workforce and contributing to the healthcare uh, of the patients. And you've, you know, attained your goal in a very short amount of time, and the ability to really. Uh, implement these practical skills and help patients. Well, I've heard that there's a lot of openings for PAs. Is that true? There are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the job market has just steadily been growing and growing. Yeah. Um, over and, the last few years. Yeah, and that's what you want your graduate degree in. If you spend right. all that money to get to get <laughs> educated, you won't be able to pay, to pay the bill on that. Mary, you hang on. Have another, do you drink coffee? If so, are you having one right now? Uh, I do drink coffee, but I'm not. I'm not having one. Right well, now. if you want to have one, go ahead. I'm going to take a break here. I'm drinking my coffee. I'll let you know. I never stop when I'm on my show. I drink. I drink probably six cups of coffee uh, during my three-hour show. Good to have Mary uh, Medill with us from Harding University. We're talking about the physician assistant program with the physician uh, program uh, director. Master of Science in Physician Assistant Studies. We'll finish up our discussion with her when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, let me give you some more information you need. What happens if you're out on 67, 167? It's uh, 4.30 in the morning, and like me, you're coming into work and there's not a lot of whole you know there's not a whole lot of people out on the road it's pretty clear out there and your car breaks down well the last thing you want to do is just be stuck out there and and uh, can't get off the road and east end towing wants you to know that they're ready to help you if that uh, scenario happens to pop up or maybe you're on a you know, a trip here in central Arkansas, you're going camping, you got your camper behind you, and suddenly, um, you know, you, you got an axle that goes all, goes out on your, your trailer. Well, what do you do then? I mean, um, how do you get your trailer to where it needs to go to be fixed? Well, East End Towing can handle that as well. All you have to do is call them, let them do the rest. 501-888-8849 is their number. 501-888-8849. Don't be stuck on the side of the road wondering what you're going to do and twiddling your thumbs. Call East End Towing. 
back with you and our special guest, Mary Medill, uh, Physician Assistant Program Director, talking about the Master of Science in Physician Assistant Studies at Harding University. And uh, she joins us. Uh, to get more information on this, uh, Mary, I've got harding.edu slash PA. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, our website has all the information. Uh, anyone who would be interested in the program, prospective uh, students or future applicants, uh, people who are looking to help or support the program by being a preceptor, we have a, a page there that they can go to and get more information and fill out a form if they're interested in uh, partnering with us for that clinical education piece. Yeah, I, I wanted to make sure everybody knows that because I'm trying to drive you, if you're listening right now, to that site and giving you just enough in- information. I'm kind of like your, your corner drug dealer. I'm going to give you a, a taste of everything that we're talking about this program, and then you'll go to the the, uh, uh, the website to get all of the specifics and who you need to talk to and, and all of that. So, Mary, let's talk a little bit what sets your program apart from other programs of this ilk uh, in the marketplace? So our program is, we're a little bit smaller in our cohort size, so we take uh, around 36 students a cohort, uh, and so that just gives us the chance to uh, create this really uh, great student-centered environment, so every student has a faculty advisor, they have a student in the class above them or a group of students that is their mentor. Um, and so because of that, we, you know, we get to keep up with our students. We get to provide uh, that mentorship along the way and just really kind of walk with them in this, uh, what usually turns out to be a bit of a kind of a tough journey, right? So we said it's, it's a rigorous training program. And uh, so with that environment, uh, we really just get to, I feel take care of them like we want them to take care of patients in the future. So there is a lot of accountability, though. You know, we're training uh, these PAs to go out and um, work quickly, like we've talked about, in the medical field. So we do have a high level of accountability uh, with achieving the competencies that the program requires. Well, I, I really like this, that, no, that every student has an advisor. I, I've never heard of a college program where they tell the students, "You come here to learn. You're going to have. You're going to walk next to a mentor." I think that's really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes our students maybe wish they could fly under the radar, but I tell them, "Not, not here. <laughs> you're not going to fly under the radar here." Like, you uh, know. So it's a it's a really great uh, team, kind of family atmosphere, and just a great place to. Um, learn to practice medicine well it sounds like to me you're going to teach the people all the information that they need to have and then you're going to have somebody walking beside them to help them Mm -hmm. put that into practice you know that's really important you can have all the book learning in the world but if you can't put it into practice you're really no no good about anybody (laughs) that's right i like we tell our students you know no two patients look the same so they've got to learn uh, how to reason and how to think. And that's really what a big piece of what we're teaching them is how do you form that framework to think about uh, patient care and to think about uh, every person that you encounter is going to have a different story. Mm-hmm. And so they've got to learn that story and they've got to be intentional about how they do that uh, so they can take excellent care of people. 
So do you teach them a little bit about bedside manner? Do you teach them how to be Dr. <laughs> Welby instead of Dr. House? Yes, yes, we work <laughs> a lot on bedside manner. That's another thing that's really important to us, and you saw in our mission is caring uh, physician assistants, and so uh, it's really important to us that um, you know our students develop compassion and empathy, and uh, we even did a pro an interprofessional training program uh, Monday night about adverse childhood experiences and how those affect people and uh, just to teach our, teach our students in that interprofessional team that you know again every person's so different and has a different story and different things in their backpack and so it's just so important that our students learn um, that compassion and just start to really grow that I, I like what you're saying because bedside manner typically is not something people are born with it's something that they learn and when i say bedside manner i'm talking about that compassionate side where you actually mm-hmm. listen to the patient and you got to understand their fears and things of that nature and that's yeah. what makes great physicians yes yeah and one of the greatest honors of my life has been sitting at the bedside Uh, with patients in the hospital. I can imagine. Hey, let's talk about the clinical phase a little bit. Uh, Tell these future students that are listening what they can expect. Uh, So in the clinical phase, we have uh, certain required rotations that are uh, five and a half weeks because they have two days that they come back to campus at the end of those. So the clinical rotation is six weeks total, including those two callback days. So they're going to be out in the clinical environment. We require uh, things like family practice, uh, general surgery, uh, mental health, emergency medicine. Uh, So a really broad um, clinical training. Uh, We have some electives uh, that we also uh, use so we have six and nine rotations in total that our students complete. That's that's six, really good. So those are required, and then three are more electives. All right, last question for you, and I know that you're glad to hear me say that. Uh, <laughs> you know what's what's the future of uh, the physician assistant uh, uh, profession here in Arkansas? Uh, So I graduated in 2007, started working in Arkansas. At that time, there were less than 100 PAs uh, in our state. And I just looked this morning, and per our uh, national organization, there's 450-plus PAs in our state. So we've seen exponential growth uh, in our state and in the nation uh, in the last few years. So that's been a really exciting change to be part of. Uh, as a PA in Arkansas. Uh, so this, the, the profession is just going to continue to grow and grow. Like you mentioned earlier, the need is great. Uh, in Arkansas, we have uh, many underserved areas that could use uh, PAs in practice. Uh, so really the goal is, as our profession grows, to increase access to care for folks uh, and just use the PA physician model uh, to and even if it's specialty care, you know, there's some specialties where it's really hard to get an appointment. So, if you throw a PA in the mix in that practice, we could get patients in sooner and get them, uh, you know, get that introductory work done, get them 
hooked up with the the surgeon or whoever it is that they they need to see next and at least get them in the clinic and get things going for them uh so you know pas just can add a lot of uh value uh, in the healthcare system and really increase access for patients in all settings Wow. Great to talk to you this morning, Mary. If you want more information, I've got the place for you to go to. Uh, Go to harding.edu forward slash PA, and uh, they'll be able to answer all your questions there. They'll have some contact numbers and things of that nature that you can talk to people and and pursue this. This sounds really good, Mary. Proud of what uh, Harding's doing with all of these uh, master programs that they're doing, and you're part of it, and congratulations. Great job. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your military service as well. well. Thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right, Mary Medill uh-huh. on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm going to let her get, get going and get on with the rest of her day. I don't know if she starts off this early typically, but... Uh, Maybe she got an extra hour to do some stuff. I don't know. Mary Medill, Physician Assistant Program Director, Master of Science in Physician Assistant Studies at Harding University. And again, uh, the uh, website that you need to go to to get all the specifics is Harding e, uh, harding.edu forward slash PA. So there you go. All right. Coming up, bottom of the hour, news. Of course, we're going to bring you news, and then when we uh, get back, i got a lot of things to talk to you about, and then we've got the congressman coming up in the 7 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Kind of interesting new story just breaking about BlackRock. Of course, BlackRock's out there trying to get states and and companies and whatever uh, to um, – put money in their business and then they say we'll make sure that that your money turns into more money uh, for your business well what they're finding out if you go broke uh, woke you uh, many times go broke and that is what is happening uh, as far as BlackRock is concerned um, just saw a story that the state of Missouri uh, pulled 500 million dollars out of BlackRock uh, because of their woke policies and uh, their political activism uh, that they get involved in. And the state of Missouri said, look, we got you uh, to you to take our money and make m- us more money, uh, you know, to take care of you know, pensions and all those types of things, not to go out and get behind a political agenda. And so they put their money some with another company that – specifically is going to pay attention to to generating more funds for the things that the state of Missouri needs. So BlackRock is, you know, out in the cold as far as Missouri goes. And I think they may see more uh, companies, more states do that uh, because, uh, look, BlackRock, uh, when they first started, they didn't start off as a political activist organization. They started off as a uh, a business to help other businesses and states and things of that nature invest their funds wisely. And now they've moved this other way, and BlackRock has been one of the, uh, those people that has been uh, telling uh, people in the gas and oil industry, you know, go take a, a hike off a short pier. Uh, we're not going to, uh, you know, give you the money that you need to, uh, you know, build your business. And uh, they're doing other things, too. They're, they're involved in other things as well. And uh, 
clients who've gotten tired of it. So you got to make up your mind, just like Disney. They're having problems now because of this wokeness that they got. People, people don't want to take their kids to Disneyland where they're told they can't be a princess. Or, you know, you, you can't do this, you can't do that. Or if you're going to say this, you got to say that. People don't want that. They go for the experience of the rides and the magic of, of what Walt Disney built, not for political activism. And they're, and they're paying for it now. All right, I'll move on. So we got 20 days now until Election Day. Yeah, it's that close. It is that close. In fact, early voting here in Arkansas, I've been reminding you, starts Monday. And you'll be able to go to the polls and start pushing the, you know, the screen or, or pulling the handle, however you all do it, uh, wherever you're at. I don't know. They may have now gotten it to the point where all the voting machines are the same. And you know, no matter where you go in the state, it's kind of like going to McDonald's. You're going to get the same menu so you know how to do things. Uh, you might want to go uh, down to uh, your uh, your local uh, person to, to get a copy of the ballot, take a look at it, know how it's going to be laid out, so that you can just when it comes up in front of you, it won't be a, you, you won't be searching for stuff. But things are changing. Uh, Democrats are getting really nervous. Uh, they they had pulled uh, in genetic uh, generic poll about f- by four four points in the uh, you know for the House and the Senate and now real clear politics uh, has come out today and said it looks like there's a very good chance that Republicans uh, will uh, win not only the House but will win the Senate will take control of the Senate as well. That will make everything that uh, Joe Biden wants to do very, very difficult. Let's just put it that way. So, uh, you, you, you know, the Republicans are po- poised right now to gain control of the House. Uh, it's looking better for the Senate. Uh, it's turned in part uh, to a lot of different issues. People are starting to hear what the Republican Party has to say. Let's talk about Ukraine. You know, I hear it from a lot of people. A lot of people say, I understand Ukraine's got a problem, but we've got to take care of our own people as well. And uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy uh, yesterday signaled that additional U.S.-Ukraine uh, assistance will get a, a, a pushback from the Republican caucus. Uh, he hopes to be the Speaker of the House, of course. They take the House. That's He would like to be elected to that position. And he made the statement to Punchbowl News, quote, I think people are going to be sitting in a recession, and they're not going to write a blank check to Ukraine. They just won't do it. Uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida, a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, echoed the uh, minority leader's uh, statement when he said, I'm absolutely not supporting any further funding for Ukraine. Uh, He told the Daily Beast that last month. He uh, said his reasoning was that we got United States economic priorities we got to take care of. And quoting him, at a time when inflation is skyrocketing, Americans are struggling to afford basic goods, we must put the needs of our country first, he added. Uh, and uh, that's what he intends to do. 
Tom uh, Manitowski uh, out of New Jersey, a member of the same committee who is also one of the most vulnerable Democrats, said he feared, feared that additional Ukraine aid is at risk if conservative gains uh, control of the House. Quote, it's certain that the next Congress is going to have more members of the Tucker Carlson slash Donald Trump wing of the Republican Party. And I feel uh, and fear that they will seize an opportunity they can find to at least chip away at our support for Ukraine. Let me give you a flashback here. In May, 57 House Republicans and 11 GOP senators voted against a $40 billion supplemental aid package for Ukraine, and that uh, they're saying that that kind of opposition is going to get bigger. Now, Mark Warner, who is the uh, committee chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Democrat from Virginia, was uh, talking about this on uh, uh, Tuesday. He said, uh, hey, look, it's been bipartisan to date to, to help to the Ukraine. Close to 90 senators, overwhelmingly bipartisan, Warner said on Bloomberg Radio. Quote, I do fear, though, that there is this Trump-led America alone contingent that could have greatly increased power in the House and a Republican House next year could undermine that uh, support. He said that would be bad for Ukrainians, that would be bad for our unity with NATO, that would be bad for the world stage because if Putin sees that isolationist approach, he's going to push that advantage. And then the president chimed in on Ukraine. He's eager to motivate voters based on anxieties about a conservative majority on the Supreme Court and far-right control of a state legislatures and on Tuesday here's what he pledged now what are the biggest issues out there what are people really talking around the dinner table if you sit down and have dinner together or maybe uh, you're talking about it while you're watching a TV show I don't know Game of Thrones or something like that what are the things that you're talking about well since you know the beginning of uh this year, the number one issue has been the economy. You know, it's the economy, stupid. I mean, that's what the Clinton administration said when they were running for uh, election, and it was true. People uh, wanted things to be taken care of so they could buy food for the family, pay for, you know, their shelter and uh, pay for gas to get to and from work and things of that nature. So it's the economy, stupid. And uh, the other thing being inflation. The other thing is, uh, of course, is uh, immigration That's and crime. Those, those are the top four issues. Number eight in the list of concerns, and it's in single digits, Back in June, it was white hot because people didn't understand the Dobbs decision. Then they figured out the Dobbs decision didn't make um, uh, abortion illegal across the United States. It just sent it back to states, and your particular state was going to determine what you did with abortion. And now that has fallen off as being like a number one or number two topic, and it's fallen down to number eight. Uh, so, but what what's the president saying's number one? He's eager to motivate voters based on anxieties about 
this conservative majority on the Supreme Court and far-right control of some state legislatures. So what he did yesterday in Washington, D.C., is he pledged to codify Roe v. Wade in federal law by next year if Democrats control Congress. So, um, look, the, the Hill says that it was nothing more than a midterm mix of bluster and bait. He doesn't have the votes in, in uh, the Senate to pass this. Not at all. He might even not get to 60 to get it out of, uh, you know, get it out on the floor. At the same time, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, during the Tuesday interview with NBC's Andrea uh, Mitchell, and boy, she's a liberal, said Democrats need more seats in the Senate to enshrine abortion rights into law, which is why she said they didn't push for it this year in the current 50-50 Senate. Quote, You think we would have gotten 60 votes to break a Senate filibuster, 10 Republican votes? Do you think we would have gotten 10 Republican votes? Oh, come on, the Speaker said on MSNBC. She also noted that the Supreme Court's June decision shifted the midterm messaging for Democratic candidates to their chagrin now, because it's not resonating, by the way, and that because her party was prepared to make its case The issue of state abortion restrictions has complicated the political terrain for some GOP challengers, but not what the Democrats thought. They thought you you ladies would rise up and demand codification of Roe v. Wade. You have not, because guess what? There's just as many pro-life women as there are pro-choice women. All right, we got uh, 13 minutes until 7. We got to get another break in, then I will be back to uh, finish up what we're, what we're talking about here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show this morning. I want to remind you about ICU protection. Uh, Billy Mack's going to be on with me at 6 o'clock in the morning. I, I actually talked him into getting out of bed, pouring a cup of coffee, and talking to us about this great service that he has for you at ICU Protection. So uh, when you're up and you're listening to the show, know that you're going to hear about why he's different than everybody else. And I can tell you why. I mean, he does it all. I mean, they'll talk to you. They'll uh, tell you what you need to do to secure your home or your business. For instance, at my house, they decided, look, if you need uh, door and window sensors, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Uh, let's talk and figure out how many cameras you need. I'm not going to tell you how many I got, just because I, if somebody's out there and been, think, been casing my house, I don't want to give them that information. Uh, they got the doorbell cameras. They got motion detection. And the big thing that they have is they've got the analytics. Now, this is true detection if it's a person, an animal, or a cat. Or it's just a big gust of wind with leaves in it. It can determine those type of things. Uh, They can do the same thing for you over on the business side. Remember that ICU Protection has the uh, contract to secure Nuke One. They can do that. They can secure your house or your small business. And you'll not pay for the hardware. Put all that hardware I just talked to you about. I mean, we had 16 windows and doors to handle in my house, plus the cameras and everything else. And all that, once it went in, belonged to me. I didn't pay a dime for it. All I have to do is pay my monthly service charge. That's it. 
That's ICU Protection. You call them. Talk to Billy Mack. He'll get you taken care of. 501-205-1333. So you can tell we're getting close to the election. Like I said, 21 days. Early voting starts the 24th. Uh, election day, November 8th. And, and Biden is out. You know, out on the campaign trail, stomping across California, uh, across Oregon, into Washington, out to Washington D.C. Now, and he's in, a, in going. To other, he's going to Pennsylvania, I believe, today for Fetterman. Some of these people don't want him to be there because he brings a lot of baggage with him. I mean, they people see uh, see the president. They blame him for the high gas prices. And, and then he, he gets his in, in food prices and whatnot. And then he does his gaffes. I mean, just the other day in California, $7 a gallon for gas? Well, that's the norm usually out here in California. Boy, California's – they posted that on his Twitter account, by the way. Uh, they tore him a new you-know-what about that because it's not true. I mean, just a couple of months ago, it was only $5 a gallon. So now it's seven dollars a gallon, and he's he's downplaying it. Ah, you guys are used to this, ah, you know. And so what he's talking about now is he wants to release at least ten million more barrels from the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, uh, and uh, try to keep gas prices down because they're beginning to go up again, and it worries him. That uh, as you go to the polls, if you happen to stop to fill up before you you went, and you know a couple of weeks ago gas was down to let's say uh, three fifteen a gallon, and now you fill up and it's three twenty five, three thirty, three thirty five, you start going what the you know, and maybe you were thinking about voting them, and you're going eh. I'm not going to give them any more power. If I put more, put another Democrat into the House, you know, they're not going to change anything. They're just going to vote lock, lockstep with the, the president. Same thing with the Senate. Same thing when you look locally into the legislative uh, offices that are up in the congression, uh, the constitutional offices uh, that are up here in the state. You want the people that have got your back that are going to work at getting those prices to come down, maybe bring taxes down uh, in in where you're paying them and save you some money. And, you know, Sarah's thinking about that and working on it, just so you'll know. That's happening as we speak. And the New England is projecting rolling blackouts in the winter due to Depleted supplies of gas. Residents in New England cities facing rolling blackouts from Daily Mail. Uh, over the winter, if temperatures drop for a prolonged cold snap because of lower fuel supplies, the region relies on natural gas imports to bridge the gaps during the winter, but is now having to compete with European countries for shipment of liquefied gas. Russia's halt of most pipeline gas to the continent has ramped up the price and demand for natural gas across the globe. What does America have under its uh, terra firma uh, in, in vast quantities? Natural gas. Where It's been said that America is the natural uh, gas Saudi Arabia of the world. We got more natural gas 
than uh, we can shake a stick at, the old saying goes. But are we pulling it out the way we should? Not because uh, we're not, not because of this president. He'd rather get it from someplace else or maybe not get it at all. We should be filling ship after ship after ship up with liquefied national, natural gas and sending it over to our European allies and supplying the market here at home to keep prices down. But that's not happening, and that is specifically because of this administration. They have uh, put different uh, uh, things into into play that is uh, causing uh, this uh, natural gas prices to go up instead of going down. We're not using our own energy reserves to help our own people. And, you know, to be honest, I think that's unconscionable. But it is what this White House is about. They're about the Green New uh, Deal. All right, coming up in the uh, 7 o'clock hour, which is just around the corner after the news, I've got uh, Congressman uh, uh, French Hill on with us. And then at 7.35, we've got Congressman uh, Westerman. Bruce Westerman will join us as well. We'll talk to them. You know, they're not in session anymore, so they're probably back here in the state somewhere. I don't know. Maybe French has got a bow and arrow or something out deer hunting. Duck got a really nice deer here a couple days ago with bow and arrow. Did a nice job. Looked like looked like about a seven point eight point deer. Big, big buck. All right, we'll we'll continue the show. Continue giving you the information that you crave right here on the Dave Ellswick Show, one hundred one one FM. The answer after we do the news. Seven o'clock hour. This is our time when we talk to uh, our congressman here in central Arkansas from the second and fourth district uh, about uh, what's going on in Washington, D.C. And we're going to be joined right off the bat uh, by our congressman in the second district. And of course, that's French Hill. And before we get started, uh, Congressman, let me uh, pass on, I'm sure, the condolences of myself and our listeners to the passing of your father. 
Well, Dave, it's good to be with you, and thank you for that. You know, for our family, the greatest generation came to an end last week, and it's a, it's a sad time, but what an amazing opportunity I had during the week with my two kids, uh, 25 and 23, and my bride to send him off and to wish him well in a new place in heaven above. So he was ready to go, Dave. All right. Well, that that's all. You know, there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, uh, Good feelings that come from knowing where your loved ones are going, where you're going, and you know you're going to see them again. Amen. You know, it's big. All right, let's uh, let's talk, because there's a lot to talk about. I want to talk to you about the election polls. A couple of weeks ago, the polls were showing the Democrats were really close. It was tough. You know, that big red wave didn't look like it was coming, and now it does look like the tsunami is growing. I mean, the president is going to uh, states to, to stump uh, for candidates where you wouldn't think you would see the president go. Portland, Oregon, of all places, because the governor's race is up for grabs in, you know, in, in Oregon. That's, that's unheard of. Yeah, whenever uh, having worked uh, in a White House during a presidential election year and having watched politics a long time, every time in October, you see the president go off to defend his own turf, they're in trouble. And uh, look, the reason they're in trouble is because of uh, 18 months of extraordinarily bad decisions by Joe Biden, Biden, uh, bad policies. Uh, it just it, it just has gotten bad uh, since January 20th at noon, uh, when that afternoon or the first next morning he uh, nixed the Keystone Pipeline, and honestly, our economy's gone downhill ever since. Well, the Democrats have put all their ba- uh, eggs in one basket: abortion. Uh, the president yesterday in a speech said, uh, give me the House and give me the Senate and I'll codify Roe v. Wade. I mean, that was one thing that he did. What they what they have found is that people have decided and women uh, in general have decided specifically, in fact, that uh, abortion is something, you know, back in June, they were white hot about. Then they found out really what was in the Dobbs uh, decision uh, that was tempered because of they found out they could fight in their own state about it and uh on top of that on top of that they want to be able to feed their family they'd like to be able to find baby formula without having to search 80 stores to find what it is that they're looking for exactly look this is a kitchen table election people are concerned about inflation inflation is a thief and it's crushing the average arkansas family spending some sixty nine hundred dollars more this year for the same basket of goods gas groceries back-to-school supplies that they paid for last year. That's what's hurting the American people, and they want a change uh, in the agenda to stop, help stop inflation, get the economy uh, back on track, because most people uh, that are under our age, Dave, have never experienced this kind of rampant inflation. And if you don't need proof of it, just look at the Social Security uh, uh, number that uh, Social Security recipients are going to get starting this fiscal year at, at close to 9%. Uh, and that's great for them, except that, unfortunately, for the things that seniors buy, like prescription drugs uh, and a lot of other things, gas and food, it's up a lot more than that. That's right. Yeah, they're still behind. I mean, that's the bottom line. You're on a fixed income, you're in trouble. I saw a story yesterday, we talked about it here, 
uh, on the on the show that uh, 401ks have lost 25% of their worth thus far just this year. That is terrifying for people who are uh, retired or are looking at retiring. Exactly. And so that's why Republicans have made our commitment to America that we'll push back on Joe Biden's agenda. We'll try to go back to pre-pandemic spending priorities. We'll try to unleash American industry uh, energy. We'll try to make the Trump uh, tax cuts for families permanent. That's something we'll fight for when we get the House back. And if we get the Senate back, as you and I have talked many times over the last few months, if by some great uh, outcome this November we got both houses back, that would give us a lot more tools to change the direction of the country than if we just get the House. But if we get the House, we can argue for these things, fight for these things, debate these things, and hopefully shift the Biden agenda, which I think is hurting American households. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. I agree wholeheartedly with you. And if we would get the House and the Senate, and it's looking... Look, the uh, uh, Real Clear Politics today said that they believe that Republicans will win the House and the Senate. And there's some great things that will happen. You, in the House, you're going to be involved uh, at the highest levels of of uh, looking at banks and what they're doing. And maybe you can shake some sense into people like uh, BlackRock or maybe $500 million being taken away from them by Missouri because of their woke policies. Maybe they're, they're going to finally figure out you go woke, you go broke. Yeah, this is a key issue. You know, I hope uh, this is one of those issues I think Americans uh, are are following. I don't think it's the top issue in the country. But the Biden administration does have climate change as the top of everything they're doing. Therefore, they want to hurt American families, American savings, American gas prices, American heating costs because of their climate agenda. And they're not even going to accomplish the climate goal. This is the crazy thing about this, is that their policies are not even the right policies for their objective. And this ESG movement, environmental social governance movement, is telling investment managers like BlackRock, hey, you need to manage for climate change, not the return on your retirees' portfolio, Uh top thing. And that's nuts. It's nuts. And they're going to lose that debate. And they're paying a price right now, as you point out in Missouri, Texas, and other states. Yeah, they're going to lose a lot of money. And, uh, you know, people who invest with them are going to pull back their money because it's going to be like, why should I put my money with you? You're more more worried about uh, political activism than you are about making money for me, which I need for my retirement or for a state, for pensions and things of, uh, of that nature. So I'm, I'm going to be watching all of that. we got to get a break in uh, – Uh, Congressman, let's do that. And when we come back, I'd like to talk to you about a big story came out yesterday that uh, the New England states are starting to say we're going to have rolling blackouts uh, during the winter because we can't get the amount of natural gas that we need. And here we are in the country that is the Saudi Arabia of natural gas. I want to talk to you about that. And electric uh, bills are already going up. In Arkansas. Now, we warned everybody about this a couple of years ago, about during the election, 
that the vote for the Democrats was to vote that your electric bill was going to go up. And uh, guess what? We were right. So let's talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest is uh, Congressman French Hill from District 2. I also would like to talk to him a little bit about what happened in Conway last week in the Conway School District. Dave Ellswick Show, uh, PI Roofing wants you to know that they're more than just a roofing company. They're a home solution company. That's right, a home solution company. And what that means is that you need some, uh, you know, uh, work done around uh, your house as far as uh, some building to be done. They can do it for you. I've got an appointment with them on Monday at 10 o'clock. I'll get done here on the show and head out to uh, see Travis. Not Travis. I want to say Travis Twitt. That's country singer. Uh, Chris Twitt, who works for the folks at, uh, you know, uh, now, PI Roofing, and they're going to look at my deck. I need some work done on it. Going to find out what they're going to charge me. Going to get a couple of estimates. One, using pressurized uh, treated lumber, and the other being that new lumber they're talking about that really isn't lumber at all. It's fake lumber uh, that's supposed to last forever. Uh, and we'll we'll see what the difference is in cost. But they do construction. If you want to get construction done around your house, you you know those small jobs that the big guys don't want to come out and do. Uh, PI Roofing, they'll be happy to to entertain your uh, your job that you would like them to do. All you got to do is give them a call 501-707-3115 or visit them online piroofing.com. I'm Dave Ellswick, and with me is our congressman from District 2. He uh, joins us just about every Wednesday during the course of the year here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and that is French Hill. And uh, he's on the phone with us right now. And, Congressman, uh, let's talk about the problems that New England is facing. Big story uh, out today that residents in New England cities are facing rolling blackouts this winter if temperatures would drop for a prolonged cold snap, which they will, because of lower fuel supplies. The region relies on natural gas imports to bridge the gaps during the winter, but is now having to compete with European countries for shipments of liquefied gas. Hey, We've got more we got more natural gas than any place in the world, and yet our president hamstrings them. And so the people in New England over the winter are going to pay must much higher natural gas prices. Well, exactly. And this is the problem since day one of the Biden administration where he has been not and all of the above energy policy and getting America back to full production after the pandemic, which is what we should have been doing. We should have been permitting new natural gas. We should have been encouraging new natural gas. And instead, what Joe Biden's done in the inflation, so-called Inflation Reduction Act, he puts $12 billion of new taxes on natural gas to discourage it. We should be exporting it to Europe, and we should be back producing two million barrels a day more of petroleum and all those things. Biden had specific policies that stopped that from happening. And so the citizens in New England are really in a tough, tough spot. But they've also made their own bad decisions. Yeah, they have. Of not supporting an all-of-the-above energy policy. And I always cite... The um, uh, I don't want to say trillions. I'll say billions of 
metric cubic feet of gas under New York, part of the Marcellus formation that Pennsylvania and West Virginia enjoy. And, you know, New York bans gas rigs. Yeah, uh, you know, hello. I mean, this is this is a problem also of their own making that goes way beyond Joe Biden of just dumb decision making that's hurting those citizens. Yeah, you got them doing it. New York, Pennsylvania. I mean, there was a do you remember just a few years ago, there was a war went on in Pennsylvania over natural gas. It was incredible. Now they wish they had more natural gas. And, and the region also was a large nuclear producer, and they're shutting down nuclear. So um, we have to help our brothers and sisters by sending them as much gas as we can through our pipelines up there. Uh, but because of all those policies, Boston uh, and New England was importing uh, Russian petroleum. Hmm. It was Alaska and Massachusetts were in Hawaii were our leading importers of Russian petroleum before we blocked it after the war started and that's why is that well obviously alaska and hawaii are proximity to Sockland island and and the pacific coast of russia but boston it's because of dumb u.s policies yeah i agree i wholeheartedly agree well let, let's talk about uh you know people here in our state are going are waking up to the fact that uh, what we said would happen has happened, and electric yep. bills are going up. Yeah, and fortunately for Arkansas, we have an all-of-the-above energy policy. We have coal still that's still being worked, so it's a stable source. We have 20% of our power uh, for our is uh, nuclear, and actually 50% of the power generated in our state is nuclear. We sell that to other states, obviously. And we have abundant natural gas. But we're still going to pay a higher price due to the bad policies of the Biden administration exacerbated by Putin's invasion of Ukraine. You know, as far as nuclear power goes, uh, Congressman, a lot a lot has to change at the federal government to make nuke power really reasonable again. The Nuclear Regulatory Agency and, and people have put all kinds, I mean, all kinds of uh, limits on being able to build those plants. And, you know, we're not at Three Mile Island type of technology anymore. Uh, if you all would win uh, the, the, the power in the House and, and in the Senate, might you turn your attention to nukes? We are going to. And I'll tell you, this is an area where the Biden energy secretary is on your side and my side. Uh, the uh, Obama administration was of no value on nuclear, just the opposite. And President Trump was good. He helped extend permitting for the existing nuclear plants. So he did good things when he was president on nuclear. But you're right. We have new technology, and we have Jeff Duncan of South Carolina, myself, Patrick McHenry in North Carolina. We're going to push the administration to streamline the permitting for these new nuclear plants and also streamline the approval process for extending the uh, life of our existing plants. I think it's very important for the United States to not only keep 20 or 25 percent of our our power, baseload power on clean nuclear, carbon-free nuclear power, but we also need to export that technology using GE, Westinghouse, uh, and have it as an export that our, can employ our own citizens to have small modular nuclear reactors in Romania, Poland, places that need them. 
I'm looking forward to people having a reasoned conversation in Washington about that. And you give me hope when I hear that. All right, next time we talk, there'll be... uh, We'll be uh, into early voting here in the state, and then we'll talk the following week, and it will be uh, the 9th, and we'll be past the election. So it's going to be interesting the next uh, few days. We're 20, 21 days away from the election. Last question for you. Uh, in Conway last week, big uh, meeting there with the school board dealing with transgender uh, policies, and uh, i got to say that I believe the Conway School Board did good work well look uh more attempts by joe biden to cram down his far left agenda on local arkansas citizens through intimidation and i agree with you and i think the state school board association our governor our attorney general are all on the hunt look we'll handle our local uh, school issues and school policy issues here. We don't need any help from Joe Biden. Yeah, and we've got, of course, a uh, a, a law. Uh, we got the judges looking at our law about uh, you know uh, this transgenderism and puberty blockers and uh, mastectomies for kids that are nine years old and all kinds of stuff. We we made that illegal in this state. I you know, a lot of people say we're going to lose that. I don't know. I I have the funny feeling that we can win on this. I think we need to. I think this court case is going to be important across the country to bring the facts out and the science out on what is good policy and bad policy as it relates to medical treatment for kids that are suffering from gender dysphoria who are children. They're under 18 and how that should be handled. And so I think this court case is important. I'm watching it very closely. All right. We appreciate your time. You have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye now. All right. That's French Hill, Congressman from District 2. We'll be hearing from, uh, of course, Bruce Westerman, Congressman District 4, uh, after we get uh, uh, we break at the bottom of the hour and uh, do our thing down there. So we're looking, we're looking forward to to talking to him uh, in the next, we'll talk about a lot of the same stuff, okay? Because you know, there's there's usually you know three, four, five different topics I want to cover today. We had three major ones. I want to talk about the polls, and we'll talk to Bruce about that. I want to talk about energy with him. If uh, they take the uh, take the House back, he'll be the uh, chairman of the House. Uh, natural resources committee and i want to talk to him about what they will be doing to to address these uh, energy problems electricity going up in arkansas rolling blackouts they're predicting up in new england that's ridiculous it should not be happening and uh, there's ways to stop it we'll talk to the congressman about it and i'd like to talk to him about what went down in conway and about this uh you know, lawsuit that's going on right now here in the state of Arkansas about transgenderism. Plus, get his take on issue four as well. We'll do that. But first, uh, we got to uh, take a break. We'll get you some more information at the bottom of the hour. And then uh, Bruce will be joining us uh, to talk about uh, these issues that that I just mentioned. Had a good time last night. I uh, went over to the uh, Cabot School Board meeting. I sat there, listened. Uh, 
you know, I, I like some of the things that I heard. I'm concerned about some of the things that I heard. Uh, I, I love that the, the uh, principals from the different schools were there and talked about how uh, the, the students know how much the teachers love them and, and care for them and all of that. But still, test scores are down. Uh, reading is a problem. And uh, that is their main job. All right. Let's get a break in. Then I got more for you here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Back, and as I told you earlier in the hour, every Wednesday, for the most part, we missed a few Wednesdays at times. Uh, the congressman from District 2 and District 4 joined me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. French Hill just uh, talked with us and now online with us to talk uh, from District 4 is Bruce Westerman. And uh, Congressman, thanks for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show today. we got some pretty uh, interesting things to talk about today. Well, great to be with you, Dave, as always. Uh, I'm excited to have a conversation. Well, let's think about this. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking, and remember we spoke about polls were saying that the Democrats uh, might hold the House, and they were going to definitely hold the Senate. What a difference about three weeks makes, because... uh, it's just Bill O'Reilly was telling everybody uh, uh, the uh, New York Times and Siena poll has said that uh, it does not look good to hold the House nor to hold the Senate for the Democrats. Real Clear Politics has come out and said that they are leaning towards a red big, big wave now. So uh, a lot of things have changed in three weeks, and uh, it seems like. Uh, The whole discussion about inflation and uh, food prices going up and and all and uh, gas prices still up by over a dollar something a gallon over a year to year kind of basis has come home to roost. And independent women have shown a 16 point favorability to vote for Republicans. And that has got to be making ice run through the veins of Democrats. Yeah, well, Dave, our polling has shown all along that what people uh, are concerned about are the economy, our inflation, high food prices, high gas prices. And as much as the national media and the Democrats want to talk folks out of the idea of that being an issue in the election, people haven't forgotten it. Now, um, things are looking looking up for us but there's still what three weeks till the election we can't let up that's right um, we're going to be going into overdrive i'm uh, going to be spending a lot of time uh, in my district and on the road between now and the election trying to help us win the majority um we've got uh, i'll be out in oregon next week and we've got a chance to pick up three seats in oregon yeah that's so, great yeah um and you know if that happens or not, I don't know. But there's that we've definitely got a uh, a potential to do that. And I'll, I'll be out there with uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy doing some events for um, uh, some of these candidates. Actually, I'll be in Arizona with McCarthy. Uh, he won't be in. I won't be in Oregon with him. But uh, we're working hard trying to get uh, get these folks over the finish line and. You know, we're seeing that also in the amount of money we've been able to raise across the country for this election. Uh, it's not over on the fundraising yet, uh, and I expect George Soros or somebody to come pour in, you know, 
$100 million or something like they normally do. But, you know, with just normal fundraising and, and donations, Republicans have outraised Democrats across the country this year. And that hardly ever happened, if ever. I don't know if it's ever happened. Did you ever think that you and I would be sitting here talking about Oregon as a state in play, not only for those three congressional seats, but for the governorship? Yeah, and there's a, uh, I keep hearing there's an outside chance we could pick up a Senate seat in Washington State, that we've got a great candidate out there. Yeah, let's get uh, rid of Patty uh, Murray. I want her gone. Yeah, so I'm, in, uh, I'm actually in Nevada today. I've got some committee work visiting with the, uh, the naval base where they train the, the pilots. They, they're surrounded by federal land, and I've... I've uh, going to be out there later this morning but the uh, the attitude I'm seeing out west uh, where a lot of these liberal policies come from is um, uh, people have had about enough of it especially when you get up around Portland or south of Portland with all the stuff that's happened there uh, in Oregon but you know look at the other coast we've got a chance to pick up seat in Rhode Island Mm -hmm. in Connecticut uh, which the the rating agencies just moved that one to a toss-up in Connecticut. Um, I think we've got a good chance in Maine and, and also in New Hampshire. So, again, the election's three weeks out. People are already voting in uh, in some of these elections, but uh, um, I'm anxious to see where it all shakes out uh, after the first Tuesday in November. Now, I'm hearing that Nevada seems to be now, they're, they're starting to say, uh, looks like a Republican win. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, I was with a Republican member from here yesterday. Uh, we had meetings, and he told me that the uh, uh, the Senate race is looking strong out here and uh, the possibility on some more House seats in, in Nevada. Hmm. Well, you, and, you're making my day. Keep talking. <laughs> well, it's... Uh, like I said, you I, I, the polling as um, I think it's getting harder and harder with people having fewer landlines and um, people not wanting to talk to pollsters. But when I talk to people, um, regardless of where I am, the uh, uh, the sentiment that I that they've had enough that this isn't the, the America that they want to uh, to have going forward that they want to. Um, you know, produce energy here. They want to produce jobs here. Uh, they're tired of the uh, of this administration and Democrats in Congress just selling out everything to these uh, climate alarmists. And people are starting to realize that uh, even what the Democrats are saying they want to do, uh, they, their plans wouldn't even work to accomplish the goals that they're saying. So it's a power push. Uh, from the the socialists and the left, and I think people see through it. All right. Well, let's uh, come back after the break, and let's talk about uh, power, natural resources, because we take back the House. You're going to be sitting in the catbird seat looking over those things, so we want to talk to you about that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest, of course, is Congressman Bruce Westerman. He's calling us from Nevada today. He's doing his best to do for us what we want him to do, which is to make sure that the Republicans take back 
the House of Representatives. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay, stay with us. We got more with this, uh, the congressman to talk about. You know, uh, gas prices hurt all of us. We've talked about it a lot over the last few weeks. You know, a lot of you will drive five miles to a different pump just to save a couple of pennies. Uh, your health plan premiums keep going up every year and at a much higher rate than gas prices. But a lot of you don't change your insurance. I don't understand that, and I know that for sure that Pat Davis wonders about that. So uh, so why don't you look at somebody different? Check it out. Why not talk to Pat Davis, somebody who tells you, I'll save you 30 to 50% on your health insurance. Why keep giving those other companies your business with all the co-pays and the deductibles when you could get paid to go to the doctor. That's right, get paid to go to the doctor. Why don't you just take a few minutes and call Pat Davis for your healthplanman.com and see if he can save you 30 to 50%, cut out all the co-pays, slice into those deductibles for you on uh, premiums just like his other clients. Call him, do it today. Don't delay. I know you hear me say that all the way, but it's the truth. This Right now, we're making all of these changes about health insurance that you, you, do, you do go out and pick new coverage and things of that nature. 501-605-6935. Talk to Pat today. 501-605-6935, and they'll treat you better. I'm glad I came down 67 early this morning. Sounds like things are slowing up out there on 67-167. Our guest, uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman, and Congressman, I talked to uh, French Hill about this just a few moments ago. Uh, Stories coming out of uh, different newspapers up in New England projecting rolling blackouts in winter due to depleted natural gas supplies. How ridiculous when you think about the Marcellus uh, gas, natural gas deposits, and New York uh, refused to approve new gas lines and pass a a moratorium on natural gas drilling in their state. They've been fighting like all get out down in Pennsylvania about fracking. Uh, They've been cutting, you know, they've been cutting off their nose to spite their face. And here we are, and we're the Saudi Arabia of uh, natural gas in America. There, there's not anybody should have to worry about a rolling blackout during the winter if it's natural gas they're burden. Yeah, well, Dave, they're sleeping in the beds they made. It's, it's asinine to think you've got the largest natural gas deposits on the planet there in the Marcellus and Utica shell plagues. Um, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from, uh, from New York and, and the rest of New England. Uh, but they can't get a, a pipeline up there. Uh, you know, what's worse than that, they import natural gas from, from other countries. Boston has a, an LNG import facility uh, that there's actually been some Russian gas delivered uh, to there. Uh, but we can't even take U.S. natural gas from the Gulf of Mexico and get it up to Boston uh, because we don't have a U.S. flagged uh, LNG transport vessel. Uh, there's not one on the planet. My understanding is they're they're building some, but uh, we don't allow foreign flagged vessels to transport uh, anything between U.S. ports unless there's some kind of an emergency. Um, 
which I mean, there's, there's reasons for that, but it's a shame that we don't have any U.S. flagged vessels that are, you know, uh, we've had a, a great past in shipping and transport, but all of that has pretty much been farmed out overseas as well. Yeah, that's, uh, the, what is it, the Jones Act? Is that what that causes that? Yes, the Jones Act. It was put in place after World War One because we had gotten in a similar situation where all of our uh, our transportation services were uh, being handled by other countries, and then you get in a war and you're needing to move uh, military and, and your own goods and services, and it makes it uh, very difficult if sometimes your enemy's controlling the, the shipping companies. So uh, we're in the same boat with, with China and shipping. They they control a lot of the, not only the shipping vessels, but uh, they have influence in the many of the ports around the world. So that's a, uh, that's another area that people probably don't think about a lot that we need to really focus on, and that's how we can get those uh, maritime shipping operations back up uh, into uh, uh, the condition they need to be in. All right, well, let's talk. You you win the House. You're going to be a chairman of Natural Resources. That's fantastic. Uh, does that include, uh, will you guys be doing hearings on nuclear energy by any chance? Um, not like building nuclear power plants. That would be in the Energy and Commerce Committee. Okay. We would, we would do hearings on mining of, uh, of nuclear power and also on uh, environmental regulations that would affect the building of a nuclear power plant. But I work very closely with Kathy McMorris Rogers, who uh, she would be the chairman of the Energy and Commerce Committee, uh, because we have a lot of uh, jurisdiction that overlaps and, uh, and kind of hands off. You know, the uh, the upstream part of oil and gas production falls under our committee, and the uh, the midstream, the, the pipelines falls under the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, which I'm a member of, but then the refining and the processing falls under the Energy and Commerce Committee. Yeah, well, that, that's it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how all of this plays out. Uh, I really want to uh, see you as a committee chairman of Natural Resources. I mean, especially you know, working out west on on forestry and things. I mean, that's that's your wheelhouse. That you know more about that than I bet you anybody in Congress does. And there's things that need to be changed out there. Do you think it's going to be a war to get uh, changes needed? Uh, are the green people going to come out of the woodwork and? You know, you think they want to protect the trees, but they they allow the ground cover to build up, which just makes more fires that destroys the trees. Yeah, and I think we're winning this battle, Dave. I think people are starting to really understand the <clears throat> the science behind it. Uh, I had meetings yesterday uh, down around Lake Tahoe in the Sierra Nevada forest. Oh, the, beautiful you know, area. The, the Cal- oh, it's, it's gorgeous, but... Um, you know, they they had the, the Caldor Fire and the Dixie Fire crossed the the Sierra Nevada mountain range, came from the west side and crossed over. Um, which, uh, in talking to a lot of the fire officials out here, said they thought that couldn't happen. Said if you'd told them five years ago that a fire would cross over the, the Sierra Nevadas, the, people would have just raised an eyebrow. But they've had it happen twice now. Um, <clears throat> but they've. They've done some management, and they've got these like uh, 
protective zones where they've been and cleared vegetation, and that's where they've been able to put these fires out. So they save hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of, of real estate and, and property and people's lives because they had done a little bit of management uh, just around the, the communities out here. Uh, but there's so much more that needs to be done. And uh, we went out and looked at a, a site yesterday, and it looks like a park. I mean, it's, I, I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't uh, want to have the forest looking like that all the time. And it's, uh, you know, that helps the healthy forest helps you with fires. It helps you with uh, water, which is extremely important uh, out here in the West. And it also provides better wildlife habitat and better recreation opportunities. So getting these projects done on the ground and people seeing it, uh, I think is one of the best education tools you can have. That they, uh, you know, there's been a lot of mistrust uh, that the environmental groups have perpetuated out here about. You know, people just want to clear cut the forest for profit, and that's uh, that's a big fat lie. Yeah, the, the years of, you know, clearing you know tops of of mountains like in west virginia to the strip mine and things and uh, of that nature those those are years of past that's not the way things are done now am i correct yeah i mean we still have some uh open pit mining in places but uh that's one of the things i wish people could see is the mine recovery um I mean, you, you can't tell where the, the area that's been mined from the landscape around it after they go back and, uh, and fill in the pits. And uh, they even uh, shape the topography to, to match the topography that was there yeah. uh, before. They, it's probably actually better habitat because they put so much effort into getting the right plant species and everything. But millions and millions of dollars are spent by these companies reclaiming mining sites. So even where you do open pit mining, uh, the, the reclamation process is, is unparalleled. And uh, I challenge people to go find someplace else in the world where it's done like that. You know, we want to, uh, the, the, the left says we want all this, these, these things mined, but we just don't want it done in our backyard. Yeah, I, where we do it better than anybody else. I was lucky enough. My brother worked with the coal industry up in Wyoming, and I went up there, and I got to see all the reclamation that they do uh, when they uh, dig out the coal, and it is amazing. I mean, the 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 pronghorn. Uh, sheep up there they they thought that they were going to go the way of the dodo bird because of that and you know what they got more of them now than they call maggots now they got so many of them that drive them uh, drives them nuts so uh you know it's just a lot of things that people think that are going to happen don't happen is what 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 happens okay so let me ask a question now finish up i want to take you out of your district just a little bit to District 2 uh, in Conway. And last week, a big decision there made by the school board dealing with transgenderism, uh, biological boys use biological bathrooms and all. I mean, just common sense things that we've thought forever have been you know, challenged by the transgender uh, community. Are you happy to see that uh, school boards are standing up against this stuff? Yeah, and that's where... You know, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where I uh, I got my start in elected office was on the school board, and uh, you know it's, it's when the the local school boards, the quorum courts, the city councils, um, 
when they start making those decisions, um, I think it's going to, to have a big effect across the country. And this is, it's, like you said, it's common sense. Whoever thought we would be spending time, uh, airtime on the radio, talking about whether boys should use boys' restrooms or girls' restrooms. I agree. I agree. I never thought, but there's a lot of things I talk about now. It started with the Clinton administration, and I've been I've been talking about things I never thought I'd talk about. With that, I'll let you go. Uh, enjoy your your time out in in Nevada, and uh, let's bring home a big victory on November eighth. What do you say? I say that's a great idea. All right, appreciate Everybody you working hard and voting. All right. Appreciate you very much. Thank you very much, Congressman Bruce Westerman. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Laura McNeil will join me. She's running for school board in Cabot. We'll hear what she has to say right after 9 o'clock. And coming up after 8 o'clock, you're going to be uh, listening to uh, you know information about your, uh, your money. Finally, today, 45th anniversary of the plane crash that killed many members of Leonard Skinner. All right, let's get a break in. Let's get back to it. Final hour, Dave Ellswick show on a Wednesday hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday, which is a good thing. Been a kind of a chilly day getting underway. When I left for work this morning from Cabot, it was in the high 20s. It was chilly outside. I stepped outside to see how cold it was, and I said, it's a hoodie kind of day. So I put my hoodie on and came. See what my hoodie says? Laura, Laura, Laura McNeil's here. She's going to be talking to us today. And I want everybody to understand, you know, your feelings have nothing to do with my facts. <laughs> this is the way, the way it goes. All right. So anyway, I uh, wanted to tell you, Lori, Lori, I swore to myself I wouldn't say that. Laura is running for school board in uh, Cabot, and I wanted to have her on. Let her talk a little bit about why she's running and uh, some of the things that are bothering her and uh, – you know what changes you might make and things of that nature. So, we're we're gonna we're gonna do that here over the the next uh, fifty three minutes. So let's get it underway. Why don't, why don't you tell people a little bit about you? How long have you lived in the Cabot area, by the way? All right, I have lived in Cabot for ten years. Okay. Um, my husband uh, is a retired vet with the United States Air Force. What did what was his AFC? What did he do? Uh, he was an aircraft maintainer. Okay. Maintenance, huh? Yes. Okay. So that's what brought us to Arkansas and what made us uh, settle in Cabot. All right. Um, both of us are originally from Massachusetts. The land of the Democrats. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Trust me. Glad to be out. Glad to be out. <laughs> I got friends that live there. I mean, they love it there. But I have family that lives uh-huh. there. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they love it, too. But, uh, you know... They're not really happy with the political situation, but I'm telling you, people in the South ain't moving up there. You know, <laughs> everybody that's up there and they got to put up with all that cold weather, they're coming down here. 
They Correct. Want, they want they want all that to happen. <laughs> now tell I want you to tell my listeners a little bit about your family because your dad he wasn't no Democrat. No, he wasn't. So, you know, I I, I explained how um, I grew up in Massachusetts, and my dad was very very Republican, uh, which is was. It stood out for Massachusetts because I bet <laughs> you are surrounded by Democrats, um, and he uh, invented the Independent High Tech Party um, in Massachusetts, which he ran for governor in 1990. Wow! Uh, at that time, I was only 10, but I do remember it, um, and I remember helping. We had to get signatures to get him on the ballot. Right. Um, he would pay us for all the signatures that we got. And he always said, well, kids, you know, if you're standing outside, p- people are going to sign it for you. I'm just an old man. They're not going to yeah. They're not going to sign it for me, but kids are cute. They'll sign it. He understood. <laughs> all right, that's good. So we, uh, we got the signatures. He got on the ballot. He ran. Um, he also ran for Congress. Um, he did run Republican, and he lost um, that race because... Again, Massachusetts. Yeah, can understand <laughs> that. We've we've had a little bit of success over the years in Massachusetts. Maybe people will come to their senses up there. I don't Actually, know. I misspoke. It's not Congress. He ran for state rep. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. State that's rep. All right. He ran and he uh, he ran Republican and he lost. Okay. Well, so. that's that's all right. So you've been steeped in conservative thought, is what you're telling us. Yes, I have. It's all been right. embedded in me. So when you long when you came to Arkansas, uh, you know you came at the time where the state had just basically gone red. It was a basic. It was purple when you got here. <laughs> it is solidly red now, in fire engine red, as we speak. So when when you got here, did you did you come up and you went? God, I thought I left this stuff behind in Massachusetts. No, I'd like to think that I'm the one that turned it red. Okay, well, I'm liking that. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that. But I'm just saying, when you, when you, were you surprised when you? I'll tell you, for instance, in my career, I went to Minnesota, up in Minneapolis, and worked there uh, with WCCO, and I thought that the Northern Plains would be as red as could be because we're talking farmers and stuff. I got up to Minnesota, and I ran into the Bolshevik Revolution. It was, they're communists. They're not socialists. They're communists up there. And I was stunned by that. I lasted about eight months. The the radio station was sold. They came in. They blew a lot of people out. I was one of them. And then I, at that point, I, I ended up in North Dakota for a while. And then I came down here to Little Rock. I've been here now 23 years, working on 24. So, uh, yeah, I was stunned by that. It's amazing in certain areas of the country where you think they'd be a certain way, they're not at all. So th- that's the only reason I brought that up. Oh. Because we were pretty liberal when I first got here. So growing up in the North, though, I always thought that the South was already pretty Republican. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. So I definitely, it was way more welcoming. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Plus it was warmer. That's right. (laughs) A little too warm. All right. So (laughs) let let me ask you, you you tell us, why 
do you want to be part of the uh, Cabot's uh, school board? Why do you want to be a, be elected for that? So changes definitely need to be made. Um, I, I'm running because of two reasons. Uh, the first is um, with the mask mandate. Um, I did not feel comfortable masking my kindergartner all day in school. And then um, when it first happened, he came home from school and to go outside and like even jump on the trampoline, he was, I have to wear this mask. I'm going to I'm going to kill people if I don't wear a mask. And he's in kindergarten. And that is that was already embedded into him. I don't know who told him that, but that's the message that he was receiving. Wow. Um, And that did not sit well with me or my husband. So the next school year, when masks were not a thing, well, over the summer and stuff, we were hoping it wouldn't be a thing. Um, We had actually gone to the... um, to the open house, we had, he was going to start first grade in the public schools. Mm-hmm. There was no mask mandate in place at the time, so Thursday we attended open house. He was going to start on Monday. Friday morning, a, I got an email saying that on Monday kids were going to be wearing masks. Um, I immediately went down to the administration building with my husband, and I withdrew my son. Because I was not going to have my son live in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, he was only in first grade. It was just too much. I did speak um, with the assistant superintendent. And basically he said there was nothing he could do. Um, because this was before exemptions were, were had really come out. Um, there was nothing he could do. And either I withdrew him and homeschooled him. Or he didn't go to school. So... Right there, it was like, I always thought, no child left behind. Um, But I'll tell you what, it's no child left behind unless they don't do what we say. As long as as you told the line, right? That's right. That's right. right. Um, So that is the main, I mean, that was huge for for me and my family um, particularly. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more. McNeil is running for zone two. Two. And we'll talk more with her here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. I hate to tell you this, but we're not that far from Christmas. All right, especially if you're talking about getting something unique put together, a unique creation uh, from Eric Coleman at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. He'll do it for you, but he's got to meet with you, got to talk to you about what you're looking for, what kind of design, what kind of stone, and all of that. So to get all that done and then get it put together, designed, wax impression, cast it, the whole thing, uh, you need to get started as soon as possible. So uh, give Eric a call at 501-246-3655. He'll talk to you about it. Or, best way, stop by and visit with him at 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E here in Little Rock. He's open Monday through Saturday, uh, 10 to 6, and talk to him about what you're thinking about. I I told you yesterday that i got to go see him because I want to fashion a star of David with a cross in the middle for the combination of of uh, Judeo belief and Christian belief. They go together because, you know, Jesus was a Jew. Uh, so uh, 
we want to get that made. I want to get one, one made for my wife and one for me. And uh, i got to get with Eric, and I want to get it done by Christmas time. So be like me. Be uh, be out there and, and visit with him. You, you'll like Eric. He's a great guy. 3000 Cavanaugh, Sweet E, here in Little Rock at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Laura McNeil is here. She's running for school board in Cabot. So, Laura, masking didn't go down well with you. It's very obvious. Yeah. Didn't go down with a lot of people in Cabot. That's correct. And the school board didn't listen to the people, did they? They sure did not. <laughs> they didn't want to hear from you all. Uh, no, no. They uh, they had their one meeting a year that they're required to hold where it is open, and we did address the mask issue, and they still uh, voted to mask. Okay, now, let me stop you right there. <laughs> you said they had their one meeting a year where the people who elected them to the school board could come and talk to them is that correct publicly that is correct all right Mm -hmm. and this is your second part of why you're running i'm i'm going to assume yeah okay definitely is um so so after this all went down um this is really when i started paying attention to the school board Uh, prior to uh, this pandemic i didn't even know what zone i was in i didn't know the school board members i didn't know their names um, I, you know, I can just be honest. You're like most people in Canada. Correct. And and now I know all their names. I, I mean, I know way more than I ever would have known. I never would have thought I'd be running. Um, but the, the next thing is, you know, you start looking into things like curriculum and, um, and test scores, uh, transparency. You start looking into all this stuff. And when you really look into it, you have questions. So... To get these questions answered, thought we could just go and speak in front of the school board. Yeah, you thought you could hold your hand up. That's right. They had an, op- uh, an open right. forum, and forum at the end of every meeting. And does anybody have a question? Right. Not so much. Well, exactly. <laughs> so I, we, we learned that you can't just go sit down and raise your hand or ask a question or even sign up to speak. Um, you had to go. And now they have changed the policy. But you did have to go and get 50 signatures from registered voters living in uh, the school district. Um, They had to go be verified at the courthouse um, and notarized. And even that wasn't guaranteed you got to speak. That was only you got to speak if they said you got to speak. Um, We were denied the first time we did that. And we were actually really mad about it. Rightly so. And we had a meeting, uh, me and a few other parents, with uh, Dr. Thurman, who is a superintendent, and Joe Trusty, who is the president of the school board. Okay. Um, is Mr. Trusty the one that was reading the different uh, things they were voting on last night? I didn't stay that long. He was sitting. He was sitting, to, if we were looking at the school board... He was sitting on uh, the Dr. Thurman's left. Okay, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, So, anyway, we sat down. uh, There was myself and two other parents. We sat down with Mr. uh, Dr. Thurman and Mr. Trusty, and 
they told us, well, prove the law. Prove where it says that you can speak. Um, yeah. No, I'm not kidding. First Amendment? Well, no. <laughs> so we, we had laws together. Uh, yeah. I actually printed off the entire um, school board, Arkansas school board handbook, and I had stuff highlighted in there. Um, he's like, well, that is just um, a suggestion. We don't actually follow that. That's just, you know, to guide us. Okay. Right. Um, and then even the laws we were bringing up, you know, how you can go to the Capitol and you can speak before they vote. Mm-hmm. You, uh, even the city council, you can speak before they vote. Yeah. But at the school board meeting, you cannot speak. And you can't speak even after you get the signatures to do so unless they tell you you can. So that is another reason that I'm sitting right here right now, because that's just wrong. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> I've 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 talked about that on my show, uh, and I talked about how people had to go out and get the signatures of other voters to be able to hope to talk to the school board, which I just found so. I'm sorry, Doctor Thurman. That's anti-American. That is exactly what that is. That's anti-American, and not wanting to hear from the constituents is even more so, as far as I'm concerned, anti-American. These are the people that you should want to hear from. I mean, how do you you want to hear from there, or do you want to hear them at the from the door with you know torches and pitchforks? Because that's what you lead to when people can't air their grievances. I feel like that's why there's a lot more people running for school board in our town right now is because these these changes need to be made. Um, I know specifically, I am. Uh, If I am elected, I'm going to make a motion to change the format of the meetings to allow public comment. First thing you want to do, huh? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's good. That's that's the kind of thing that you got to have. Now, whether you get enough votes (laughs) to get a change, I can't can't guarantee you. But, yeah, you should be making the motion. Somebody should. Somebody's got to have a pair up there or – or not, I mean, uh, and, and saying, you know, you need to do this right. And, and the right way is to hear what people have to say. There's, you're talking about millions of dollars that are being spent on education in, in Cabot and hundreds of thousands of dollars that are being spent for the superintendent alone. Oh, I yeah. would think, I would think that you'd want to hear from the constituency. Not just, well, call me if you give out your cell phone. I don't know if they all give out their cell phones or not, so that you can call them. You don't think Some they do? Some of them don't even uh, – uh, Joe Trusty admitted to not even checking his email on a regular basis. So I, I, I don't know. I'm stunned when I hear this. I really am. <laughs> She's looking at me like – Wow, Dave's really up. <laughs> this upsets me. It does. It upsets me. I mean, look, you got a congressman or was a congressman in, in Tim Griffin. He used to give out his his phone number. I know French Hill does it, too. They give out their cell phone numbers to anybody in their district. Why wouldn't you give out your phone number to the people that are in your zone for the school board? Why wouldn't you want to hear from the people? Well, they might call me at an inopportune time. <laughs> well, tell them you get back to them. Right. You know, come on. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They might call me a name. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe you deserve it. 
Maybe. I'm just saying. Maybe. I'm just saying. Okay, so masking and, of course, uh, the whole freedom of speech issue are the two reasons that you're looking to, to run uh, for the Cabot School Board. When we come back, we're going to talk further and dig a little bit deeper about some other things that have got you uh, up, upset and why you want to be on the Cabot School Board. So uh, we're going to talk about that. And by the way, I said this yesterday. Let me say it again today. If you're running for an office and you want to be on my show, all you got to do is email me, Dave at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com, and I'll be happy to work out a time that you can come on the show and we can talk and you can answer and the people will know exactly what it is that you're running on. That's the way I do this. By FCC regulations, I let you know it's up to you to take the impetus to punch the buttons on your phone and get a, uh, uh, get a hold of me or to call uh, to go on to, to the, the website and get a hold of me by uh, giving me an email. That, do, it, do it a lot. I do it a lot. I mean, that's why Steve Landers is coming on Monday. Dave, got time for me? Yes. Uh, Judge Carnahan yesterday, got time? Yes. We put them on and uh, in, invite them in and, and sit down and talk to us. All right, we got a break at, here at the bottom of the hour. And then uh, we'll come back, talk more with Laura. We'll get into We'll start digging into the specifics. We've done the generalities. Now it's specific time here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And you're listening to it on 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Laura uh, McNeil is here with us as well. She's running in Zone 2 for school board in Cabot. And she's going to be with me for the last uh, half hour of the show here. At the very end of the, this show, we're going to play a little bit of Leonard Skinner music for you. Because this is the 45th anniversary of uh, the plane crash that they died in. So I, I want to give them uh, the benefit of... Uh, you know, remembering them. I mean, they're still around, but it's it's not like the original uh, Leonard Skinner. They're still good, but not as good as they were. But it's just the way it goes. I mean, it's like going to see the Who, and you know, you got Townsend, you got Daltrey. Now, that's like the two main dudes of of the Who. But Keith Moon and John Entwistle are gone now. The bass player and the drummer. And I've seen them when they all four were together. And I'm gonna tell you, it was different than when you're just down to two of the members. So anyway, just me chasing a rabbit here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so let's get back. Let's talk about this. What are some other things that are, are bothering you, uh, uh, Laura? I mean, I had Courtney on yesterday, uh, Roldan, and she's running for district, uh, district Zone 1. And uh, she brought up you know, some things about curriculum and she brought up some things that uh, you know she people are wor- worried about CRT and things of that nature and th- that it's that it's massaged into the curriculum over at Cabot. I would agree with that. Um, I'm not happy with the curriculum. I know uh, there's a lot of parents that aren't happy. There's teachers that aren't happy. They're afraid to speak up. Um, and some would argue that it's not in the curriculum, but it is because it's through. You know, and they start it young, and it's through the history. Um, whenever you're teaching hate and racism, I, you know that's that's all falls under the CRT, and and they do that, but they do it in a way um, 
where if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't even know it was in there. Well, I'll give you an example. Last night at school board meeting, I don't know who the gentleman was. It was a guy that was sitting in the middle. It was not the high school. It was maybe middle school. I'm not sure. But uh, he was sitting there, and they were talking about reading. Reading scores are not good in Cabot. We heard that last night. They're not good in Cabot. Third grade is abysmal. All right. Uh, And I'm going to cut them a little bit of slack because of the pandemic. I'll give them a little bit of slack on it. But the score should never be that low where they're at, even with the pandemic. But I digress again. I go back to the gentleman who was there, and he made this statement. Well, we can help with the reading because he's talking about math. And, and we'll just massage all of that into our math classes, too. See, that's how they do it. That's what they do. Don't think that they're not doing CRT and things like that. Right, right, because they, they just put it in other subjects, and, and then you just don't know unless you really look into it. And you're right. The reading scores are terrible. I am actually surprised that they were uh, they were almost talking about it like it was a good thing, and they were talking about it like – Oh well, we're hosting grandparents read night and stuff like, you know, like they're they're talking about what they're going to do to fix it, and none of it has to do with curriculum, and it all has to do with we're trying to make reading fun. Well, that's just not going to work. I mean, you need to change a curriculum if the kids are reading, you know, are failing and thirty percent read on grade level. I mean, it was bad. Some of them, I don't even think some of the schools were at thirty percent. Um, and it was it was hard to hear, but it's true. And you know what bothered me the most? I didn't see anything ripple across the school board when those numbers were read. I'm I'm, I'm thinking they probably already had been told. <laughs> well, it didn't even seem like they were paying attention. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw, and I won't even say who. Maybe she was taking notes, but it, I looked and it seemed like she was doodling. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know. Which leads me to believe that they had already seen the reports and they knew it was coming, you know, as far as that's concerned. But when you got principals sitting in front, and and I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show today when I went there last night, I'm happy to hear that the teachers and the faculty, you know, faculty and, and the administration want all these kids to know that they're cared for and loved by the the faculty and they want them to succeed but that's only a small portion of what they're responsible for they're responsible for these kids to be able to to read at grade level and uh, they kind of just it was like a glancing blow so to speak they'd mentioned and said but you know this kid wasn't doing anything and all of a sudden now that we let him sit under his desk you know he's he's doing grade level now i'm just i'm I'm just sitting there listening you know i I was there listening well and then we all know we weren't allowed to ask a question because i had some i would have asked why aren't we talking about changing the curriculum if all these kids are failing Mm -hmm. you know and we weren't given the opportunity to do that because we're not allowed to do that unless we sign up beforehand and fill out a four-page form, give over our license, probably sign our life away. I don't know all of what's required because I haven't tried to do it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear that literally, I guess you can talk, but they've got to agree that you 
can only talk about the topic that they want to let you talk about. Yeah, it has to be approved. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's yeah. my tangent. It, it just. I mean, seriously. No. I just. It just stuns me when I hear about all of this. It. Uh, look. You can let people talk. Give them three minutes. That's all you got to do. I. I've got that rule on my show. Basically, if you can't make your statement in three minutes and let us know what you think, then you don't know what you think. It's that simple. <laughs> so you know, I'm not going to let you just sit there and, uh, uh, you know, here on my radio show and. Their time is, you know, important to them, too, and I can understand that. But you need to let the people speak. You don't have have some rules that are reasonable, at least. These other ones are not reasonable. Uh, I've heard, you know, look, I, my daughter graduated from Cabot. Uh, two of my grandkids, and I got a third grandkid still that's in the Cabot School District. And no, I'm not going to mention their names uh, but, because they're not my, they don't have the same last name I do. Uh, bottom line, though, uh, I have heard them mention that bullying is a real problem in Cabot and at the high school especially. Uh, yes. I actually also have a daughter that graduated Cabot uh, in 2017. And bullying was an issue then. It's an issue now. And I'm glad you brought this up because um, since I've started running or I decided to run for school board, um, I've actually been the victim of bullying online um, from people in the town. And some of them are actually teachers at the school. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, if you're going to have teachers teach in a school and an environment where bullying isn't allowed, why are you going to let those teachers get online and bully on public pages and public forums where in high school you can have, you know, your high schooler is on the same public page as your teacher and you can see and you can potentially watch your teacher bully somebody and it, they're learning by example, and nobody's stopping them. I've heard that from other people. <laughs> All right. I mean, ha, have you had a lot of people approach you once they heard that you were running for this office? Have they approached you and said, do you got a minute, and they want to talk to you? Yeah. Um, good and bad. Okay. Um, you know, if I'm being honest... I never thought that there would be so many people that disagreed with parental rights and uh, parent parental voices and being able to be heard. But there are people in Cabot that just think everything is fine the way it is. And the problem with that is maybe it is fine the way it is until you have a problem. When you have a problem and your child is at the center of that problem and you want to voice your opinion or speak in front of the board... You're not allowed to do that, and that's a problem. When I when I moved to Cabot 14 years ago, Cabot Cabot was considered one of the top school systems in Arkansas. All right, and they showed up pretty well against other states as well. Those days are gone, folks. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, there there are people who rank Cabot like 21st. Some people rank them in the 40th percentile now. Uh, in the state, there are some problems there. 
I mean, you can look at the flow chart and see the reading scores, and they've been going down for a long time. And what's funny is they've been going down, and Thurman's pay has been going up. And uh, that is another issue and another thing that definitely needs to be looked into. Um, I believe, and and I correct me if I'm wrong or if maybe we don't know, uh, he is the highest paid superintendent in the state of Arkansas. That is tomorrow. Listen at the nine o'clock hour. Uh, Jimmy <laughs> Cavan's going to be on. He's got he drew, he's he's gone out and got all from the FOIs. We know all the salaries of all the superintendents in the state of Arkansas now. And I'm going to tell you, you might be stunned at who's in the top. You right. might be stunned. I will definitely listen. Um, I know right now he is amongst the highest paid at the very least. Um, and our reading scores are going down. I don't understand why he keeps making more and more when the school is failing. And he's not only is he making more, but he's given bonuses and car allowances, gas, uh, gas money, um, all approved by the school board. And I, that needs to stop. All right. Laura's going to be with us for one more segment. I'll be right back. But right now, I need to tell you about East End Towing. If you find yourself stuck on the side of the highway, that's never a good thing. And uh, you need to know who to call so you can get help. And uh, here locally, call East End Towing, 501-888-8849, 501-888-8849, and they'll take good care of you. Now, to- getting a tow is more than just getting your car off the side of the road. It could be, uh, you know, the trailer that you got your boat on uh, has screwed up, and you need to get it taken care of. Or perhaps you've got a camper that you're pulling. you got to get that off the side of the road. They can handle all of that. No matter the situation, Easton Towing can handle it. They'll take care of you. they got all the answers. Just call their number, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. Let's finish up here on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. I like doing this when we, we bring in uh, folks in that, that have decided to run uh, for a position, uh, asking for your vote. And in their wildest dreams, if, you've ever, if you ever asked them, would they run for public office, they would have said no. That is correct. Because I'm going to tell you what, Laura saw what happened to her father. She didn't want the same thing. And I can understand that. I really, really can. But if she doesn't run, who does? And uh, I got I I commend you that you got into the arena. Well, thank you. Because that's what you know. That's what Teddy Roosevelt always said. It's the man in the arena that uh, puts it on the line. Let's talk a little bit about transparency because the school board has been uh, castigated about not being transparent with the people of uh, Cabot. I would agree with that. Um, I think the biggest, uh, well, there's a couple of issues with that. The first issue is um, whenever they do vote on something and they come out and they sit there, you can tell they talked about this, bef- whatever the issue is beforehand, because they're not just hearing it for the first time when they're sitting up there because there's no discussion. Um, it, it's almost like they already know how they're going to vote. They already know what the issue is. 
and there's no discussion there's no open discussion amongst themselves like if i'm sitting up there and we're voting on something i'm going to be like wait, wait okay explain this to me or you know like trying to get sure a, full knowledge of what it is i'm voting on and i'm going to have questions yeah you want to get your hands around it correct nobody asks questions it's like they all already know everything and they're just like and i already i i feel like they possibly already know the outcome um, and that's not being transparent to the public. Uh, so if if I am elected, I'll make sure that I do ask questions right there. And I mean, questions is how you learn, and and that's how you inform the public. Uh, so that's that's one of the issues with transparency. Um, another issue is it's really hard to find anything. Um, if you're looking for stuff, you have to FOIA it. They aren't just open and readily available like other school districts, um, and that's an issue. You know, we we live in a day and age of technology, and Cabot needs to utilize it. Okay, I I agree. They, they should have big big screens in the, uh, the, the the school meeting room, the school board meeting room. Uh, they didn't use it. I mean, one time, all right, nurse came up and talked about how many nurses they had in the, the district and stuff of that nature. But all of those scores that they were talking about, they didn't put them up in front of the people that were there. Although and, I think most of the people there were teachers. But I would have loved to have seen it because I actually probably would have taken pictures um, just to look at it at my leisure later. Um and possibly to compare it because you know my son is in that school i ha- i have a uh, a vested interest in what goes on and and making sure that he is taught how to read and i want him at least at grade level i don't want him in the 10 percent. right right so. okay i mean i understand exactly what you're saying now the, the big thing that i did agree with last night was they were talking about i don't know they got a different name for it i'm just going to say what they used to call it when i was in school special ed uh for children that that are having trouble learning and things of that nature i was happy to hear that uh, they were making some uh, it sounded like to me some markedly good moves forward with those children because a lot of times those kids are like shuffled off to the corner somewhere and you don't hear much about them so um, I've been a substitute in Cabot, and I, I'm actually really glad. They have a lot of really great special ed teachers, mm-hmm. um, and I really feel like the teachers make a difference, uh, especially for those kids, and that's a, that's a reflection on them. Yeah, that's good. So. I mean, I mean, I was really, really happy to hear what they were doing. I'm not, I'm not here to, you know— and when I do my show on my own and I'm talking about the school district and stuff, I'm not saying they're doing everything wrong. I'm just saying that there's some pointedly important things that they're not doing right. And you need to change it. That's right. And I'm not saying that either, but I am running for a reason. And I'm running to change the things that I see that are wrong. All right. Last question for you. have been walking around knocking on people's doors a little bit all right what are you finding are they they open to talk to you um some are some aren't uh it's been mixed uh some didn't even know what zone they're in or who who they're running there well i see the signs but i don't know what zone i'm in Mm -hmm. Um, i get that a lot um but a lot of people that some people 
I've actually knocked on a few doors of people who have seen my signs, seen my Facebook, and they're like, we stand with you. Would you put a sign in my yard? Hmm. Um, and that's always pleasant to hear. Right. Are you, are you, I asked uh, uh, our guest yesterday, Courtney, about this. Are you looking for any help to walk and knock on doors? I could definitely use help. I still have a bunch of door hangers, too. So anybody that wants to help, if you're uncomfortable knocking on doors, I have door hangers that even uh, going and putting them on doors would help. Okay. How do they get a hold of you to be able to tell you, I'll help you? Well, thank you. Um, So I have a Facebook page, Laura McNeil for Cabot School Board. You can get on there and message me. Uh, I don't mind if you call me. Okay. Or text me, and I can get my phone number. Yeah, you go right ahead. It's uh, area code 817-501-5535. Okay. All right. So she'll she'll accept your help, all right? Just like Courtney said yesterday. You know, she she doesn't want to burn out the leather on, you know, three pairs of shoes or whatever before Election Day. (laughs) Hey, Laura, thank you for coming in. I know it's not easy. Thank you for having me. You know, you didn't want to be a politician. You were kind of forced into being a politician. That's correct. All right. Well, I thank you for coming in. We're out of time. Uh, tomorrow on Thursday, of course, we'll get it started at 6 a.m. Uh, 7 o'clock, Joe and Duck will be here. 9 o'clock, you know, Jimmy Cavan will be in here, and we'll be talking about uh, all of the superintendents in Arkansas. What are they making? And what does uh, Dr. Thurman make in Cabot, and how does it align with other superintendents? I'll tell you tomorrow, or Jimmy will. We've got all we got the scoop on that. You'll want to hear it on the next Dave Ellswick show. See you tomorrow, six a.m. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.